So take your Bible, please, and uh, we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 58 again today. And I want to spend a lot of time in this chapter and then give you some illustrations or some ideas about how you can complete this fast. So Isaiah 58, I'm going to read, just read verses 6 through 9 right now. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? This is the Lord speaking here. <clears throat> is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, <clears throat> that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? <clears throat> when you see the naked, that you cover them. <clears throat> and you hide yourself, you do not hide yourself from your own flesh or from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will, sh- will break forth like the morning. Your healing will spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Lord God, thank you for this season, Lord. I know, Lord, last month it was all about faith. This month is all about fasting. And we thank you, Lord, for leading us this way as, as, a, as a church family. Uh, Lord, this isn't for everybody. This is for us, Lord. I, I believe you're directing our steps right now with this whole concept of fasting. Lord, may your blessing be upon the proclamation of your word today. Let it go forward, Lord, like, like, a, like, a, like a sharp arrow. Let it pierce our heart. Let it bring truth to our spirit and our being. And Lord, may you be glorified with it. <clears throat> may your church be built up and edified because of it. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're entitling the message, Call to Fast. Uh, last week we had several scriptures about fasting. We talked about how fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's used uh, to help us run after God and, and to display our sincerity before God and our desperation for a move of God and God's touch. Uh, we looked at Hebrews 11.6 for a second. Uh, you may want to write these next uh, scriptures down on a piece of paper or on your phone or whatever. But Hebrews 11.6, it says, By faith we know that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So there's something about, you know, getting hungry for God and chasing after God. He's a rewarder of those that run after him. And that's the premise of where we're going with this. We're just getting serious about God and understand that he does reward those who diligently seek him. We looked at Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3 last week, where it says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And with that concept, we realize that, you know, like he's given us all things, but we have to pray, don't we? We don't we don't we're not exempt from prayer just because he's given us all things. We're not exempt from worshiping him because he's given us all things or studying the word of God because he's given us all things. No, his knowledge tells us we've got to do these things. So his divine knowledge is available for it. And what he's telling us to do is to pray, to worship, to study. The fellowship, right? And to fast. Fast is another tool in the arsenal that, that God gives to his people to, to make a difference in this world where we live. We looked at uh, Mark chapter 9, uh, verse 29, because uh, Jesus said, this kind doesn't come out except for prayer and 
fasting. So if he's given us all things, you know, you think, well, why do we have to do that? Because in the, in the process of giving us things, he's given us the knowledge to, to know what we've got to do. Did you ever get to a point in your life where you realize, man, I just got to get alone with God and pray. That's like a Holy Ghost moment. Everything else you tried falls flat. Nothing else works. And God just reveals to you, will you come aside, get away from it all, and just be with me, and I'll help you through this thing. That's a move of God. And so as we pray and fast, we're trusting the Lord to give us the the wisdom, the guidance, the breakthroughs that we need in many, many different situations. You know, we could talk about all the problems that we all have, and we all have them. You know, we all have things that people were praying for and everything else. But as we said last week, ultimately, the biggest thing that changes when we fast is us. We change because we are now feeling what God feels. We're closer to God. So whatever happens out there, it's okay because we're with God. And we see things differently now because we're close to God. So we gave you a definition last week. I want to put it up there again. Uh, Fasting is a spiritual discipline in which one abstains, abstains from food for a time, uh, draws closer to the Lord in prayer and petition, grows spiritually stronger, and trusts the Lord with all the results. We had said that uh, because we pray and fast, uh, God is not obligated to do what we tell him to do. I really have a problem with some people that tell God what to do. I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but I have a problem with that. I think we should be in a position where God tells us what to do, and we deal with it. That's what I think. I see that in the Word of God. We looked at Daniel, uh, David's uh, story when uh, he was, he was uh, outed about his sin by the prophet uh, Nathan, and uh, his son was very sick, and he, he prayed and fasted for his son. And the son actually died. But the miracle of the story is that David, in the midst of his sorrow and grief, washed himself off and got ready, went into the temple to worship God. That's because he was praying and fasting. So we could say, you know, does fasting turn to God's hand? Yeah, a lot of times it does, but sometimes it doesn't. But it changes us. And that's a better thing to happen anyway. Because, you know, I could go on that whole thing, but in this life we will have tribulation. But the Lord overcomes, and we overcome as we walk with the Lord. So a couple of things here. Um, so we're called to a fast starting today, uh, 21 days, uh, going in, uh, until the uh, last day of the month. is the 29th of this month of leap year. So uh, we're asking people uh, not to eat and to pray during that time that you would normally eat. So I'll talk about some specifics about that later. Uh, but what I'm saying is, like, someone may be able to fast for three or four days, maybe. Someone may be able to fast for one meal or one dessert or one thing because of health issues or whatever's going on in your life. But corporately, if we're doing this all together, your fasting will benefit somebody else's situation. Whatever you can do, God will honor. God's looking at this as a corporate fast, I don't think he's looking at this as an individual thing. This is a corporate fast that we're heading into. So we all, we all will fast in some way or another, and we'll all benefit from it in some way or another. 
Okay, so let's go to Isaiah 58. I want to go through the, the uh, first 12 verses of this chapter and then talk about some uh, specific ways too fast. Uh, so the outline here is rather simple. Uh, we're going to talk about Isaiah's call. We're going to talk about uh, the problems that they had there in Israel. We're going to talk about God's chosen fast and then the results of the fast. So here's the setting for Isaiah 58. Uh, God is commissioning Isaiah to go speak to the people of Israel and tell them about, about their way that, about the way that they're fasting. Um, and I, I thought about this. So here you have a religious people, a spiritual people, and they're fasting. Israel is fasting. But the Lord is telling Isaiah, go to my people. Don't hold back. Verse number one, don't hold back. Sound a clear trumpet. Let it fly. Uh, Isaiah, let it fly, because what they're doing is wrong. I thought, right there, there's a, there's a word for, for us. We could pretend to be really spiritual and do all the things that Christians do, like go to church and worship and pray. If our heart's not right, God doesn't even hear us. And that's the, the essence of what's going on here. I thought about New Testament. Remember when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said to them in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, you know, the way you're doing, I'm going to paraphrase, the way you're doing communion is all wrong. You're not honoring the Lord when you have communion. You're having a big love feast. You're not even concerned about the poor people and the people that are hungry. You're just stuffing your face, basically, and you're neglecting the Lord. So let me tell you how to take communion. See, we, we benefit from that. When we have communion today, we're, it's kind of holy, solemn, it's reverent, you know. That's because Paul corrected it way back then. Well, even way before that, and in Isaiah 58, the Lord is correcting Israel on their way that they were fasting. So verse number one, okay. Cry aloud, don't hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. In other words, don't be afraid, Isaiah. Just let it fly, speak to my people, tell my people their transgression, tell the house of Jacob their sins. And then, then it gets interesting, because then verse number two. Yet, or, or as if, you know, they seek me daily, um, they delight to know my ways. So, so they're praying. They're kind of like studying the word or, or the, the scriptures. You know, they're, they delight to know my ways. So they're, they're praying, they're seeking me, and they're, they're studying the word as if they were a nation that did righteously and did not forsake the ordinances of their God. Do you see the hypocrisy here? They look good, but they're not good. They're doing the good thing, but not with the right heart. So, uh, verse 2, they ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. So, it looks real good on the outside. It looks wonderful on the outside. This reminds me, in Revelation 3, when, when the Lord was addressing the church of Laodicea, He said to them, He said, you know, you, you say that you're rich and wealthy and you have no need of anything, but I'm telling you, you're wretched and miserable and poor and naked. And so you have a picture of a church that thinks they're so good and so holy and so right, they don't even know how destitute they are. So there could be some churches, some fellowships today that do all the right things, but their heart is a million miles away from God. That's what we're talking about here. So the end of... Uh, Verse, uh, the beginning of verse number three. So now the people are responding to the Lord and, and they're saying to the Lord, what, why, we, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why, 
why uh, have we afflicted our souls and you don't take notice? I can picture the Lord saying, well, since you asked the question, I'm going to lower the boom and let you know. Because they're like prideful here. That's like us saying, hey, Lord, uh, I've been praying for uh, two weeks about this. Where are you? That's what it's like. He says, you want to know where I am? (laughs) I'll tell you where I am. So the rest of this is about his response to their attitude. This all comes down to attitude, actually. Because they were doing the right thing with the wrong attitude. So he says, in fact, in verse 3, in the day of your fast... You find pleasure. Now, if anyone's ever fasted, you know, pleasure and fasting do not go together. I mean, eating and pleasure goes together. Can I get an amen? I love to eat. I love that feeling. Man, I'm full. Woo, I feel good. I feel good, you know. But fasting and pleasure do not jive. They don't mesh. They don't belong in the same sentence. Don't know exactly what they were doing, but whatever they were doing, they were not uh, afflicting their souls and feeling the pain of other people, and they weren't connecting with God. They were enjoying themselves. Well, let's not eat today, but let's go to the park and play ball or whatever, whatever they were doing. I don't know if they played ball back then, but they were having fun. That doesn't go together with fasting. He says, uh, he goes on, you exploit all your laborers. Well, first of all, you shouldn't be worried about work on the day that you fast. I mean, if you have to go to work, you go to work. But this shouldn't be a day of business and being worried about money and and exploiting your laborers, abusing them or hurting them in some way. This is about God's business. If you've got to go to work, and most of us do, just go to work and do your job. But this isn't a time to really focus on all that. It's a time to focus on the Lord. And you're hurting people. Then it continues in verse verse 4. You fast for strife and debate. My goodness. That's not why you fast. You fast to get humble before God. You don't fast to argue with people and bicker with people and and, and lord it over people that your way is better than their way. This is not seeking the Lord's will. This is seeking your own will. So he's saying, you know, you you fast, uh, you find pleasure, you exploit your laborers, you fast for strife and debate, and you strike with the fist of wickedness. Oh, my goodness. This is the opposite of what a fast should be like. So then verse number five, uh, end of verse number number four, the paraphrase, you will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Paraphrase that little sentence. That means if you fast like this, you don't even expect me to hear what you're, what you're all about. You're fasting the way you are this day. I'm not, I don't even hear you. I don't even see you. It's a very sobering thought, isn't it? God bless you. So verse number five. Is this the fast that I've chosen? I, I, I think this is, this is the way they were fasting. Uh, is, is it a day for a man to afflict his soul? Well, it is, but you're afflicting other people's souls with your attitude and your disposition. Is it a day to uh, bow down a, his head like a, a bulrush? I had to look that word up. A bulrush is a cattail. You know what a cattail is? Like at the beach, you see those things growing up, the little thing at the end and big tall weeds around it. And they're blowing and they're waving, you know, in the wind. And he's saying, you, you look like you're, you're somebody majestic, like you're somebody. But that's not really what I'm talking about. He says, um, is it a day to spread out sackcloth? And I, well, it really is a day for that, but you're not doing that. 
He says, you call this a fast? You call this an acceptable day of the Lord? And the Lord is saying, look, you're doing all the things on the external, but on the internal, you're a million miles away from me. And don't expect me to hear what you're saying and what you're praying, what you're fasting for. Is this a fast? He says, you call this a fast? That's not a fast. I don't know what that is. That's a mess. And you, you think, you know, you question why I'm not answering you? It's not the fact of what you're, it's, it's how you're doing what you're doing. It's a heart matter. So then verse number six comes, and I really think this is the Lord's chosen fast. This is what a fast should be like in our attitude and thoughts and mind and spirit. To loose the bonds of wickedness, right? To loose the bonds of wickedness. And, and, and by the way, Jesus taught about fasting in Matthew 5. He said, when you fast, you know, he said, when you fast, go wash your face, comb your hair, get cleaned up. Don't even let anybody know that you're fasting. The Pharisees would make a big deal of it. Oh, I'm fasting today. Oh, I'm praying today. Oh, big deal. He said, you know what? Go clean up and wash your face and, 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 and be quiet before God. And the Lord who sees in secret will reward you openly. So in the same manner, they were doing all the external things, but their inside was just far away from God. So the Lord says, okay, isn't, isn't this the fast that I've chosen? That you, that you loose the bonds of wickedness. But you're afflicting, you're, you're making people respond to your, wicked, your own wickedness. And you're supposed to be loosening the bonds of wickedness. He says, is, is it not to undo the heavy burdens when you're making burdens on other people, especially the people that you work with? To let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Yeah. I, so, verse 7. Now, now he's going into the, spirit, the, uh, the physical realm. He's going from the, from the spiritual now to the physical. When you fast, verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, that you bring into your house the poor, when you, when you see the naked to clothe them? What he's saying here is, your fasting should help you connect with people, not butt heads with people. Your fasting should give you my heart, so that you have a heart for the less fortunate. Look over in verse number 9 for a minute. Again, the second part of verse number 9. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, speaking wickedness. In other words, if you, if you stop bickering among yourselves and gossiping among yourselves, right? If you start, you know, in, in verse number 10, if you extend your soul to the hungry and you satisfy the afflicted soul, you see, it's a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing. So, so back in 6 and 7, you fast to, to break the bonds of wickedness, right? Undo the heavy burdens. But now verse 7, that you get involved with people and you literally help people with their problems. Right? So a couple of things here. Um, verse number 6, I think, is the way God wants us to fast. Verse number 7 is the more practical way that when we fast, we then get involved with people. And verse number 9 that I just read is our personal responsibility to stay clean before the Lord. Not gossiping, not bickering, not fussing with people in the church. But listen to the benefit of it. Look at verse number 8. When you do it God's way, this is what's mind-boggling about this. For a minute, forget about the people that are bound up and oppressed or whatever they are. Because you already gave that to God. You know, you can't do any more than that. 
I mean, you pray about them. You fast for them. You give it to God. And verse number 8 says, when you do it God's way, your light will break forth like the morning. Oh, my goodness. My light? I thought my light was all right. No, but when you pray and fast, it's a different anointing on you. Because your soul is being afflicted with those around. You feel God's pain for people. And your light will, will, will uh, break forth like the morning. Your healing will spring forth speedily. Your healing. Lord, I wasn't even praying about my healing. Well, you know what? You're going to be healed. God's touch, God's provision is going to be on you because you're connecting with my heart, the Lord says. You can't help but benefit from that. And then he says, your righteousness will go before you. I love that part. So all of us are involved in the world around us. We'll have jobs. We'll have to go shopping. Uh, by the way, in, in Pam's uh, broken arm situation, I'm, I'm almost on a first-name basis with people at Market Basket. It's a whole other world up there. I didn't know it even existed. I see people in the park. Hey, how you doing? But the world is all over the place. But, but anyway, when we're in this mode, our righteousness goes before us. Hello. That's anointing. That's countenance. That's clarity. That's knowing what we have to do and what we can't do. It's knowing where we are with God. It's knowing how to live, how to conduct ourselves. When somebody cuts me off in their carriage, I smile. And when I cut them off, I smile too and say, mercy. Oh, yeah. One guy said, you already got a speeding ticket in here. I said, yeah, I know. It's my fault. But see, when we're in that mode, come on. We're in that mode of praying and fasting. Look at it again. Verse number 8. Your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing will spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. And the next part, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You can't lose. You are anointed now. You know, righteousness is going before, the glory behind. You're, you're covered by the blood. You're in a different position in the Lord. And then when you call, verse 9, the Lord will hear. When you cry out, he'll say, here I am. Hallelujah. So verse number 10, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, that's interesting there. If you extend your soul to the hungry and, and if, you, if you satisfy the afflicted soul, if you feel people's pain and you get involved with helping them, see, that, that's what this is all about, actually. It's getting involved and getting connected with people. He's saying, look, you're doing all these things and there's poor people all over the place and you don't even care about them. And, and so, so look, <laughs> who wants to deal with homeless people? You know what I mean? Well, the people call the office and I think, oh boy, they want money. They want money again. Now, if I'm not in this mode... I could get really critical. But if I'm in this mode, it's an opportunity to touch somebody's life. One more person calling for money. Help me with this. Help me with that. Oh, Lord, help me. Okay, I got your mind. But now we have to do something. And we do the best we can. Reminds me one time several years ago, a guy, the phone rang at the office and uh, they hung up. And I was just in, I was having a bad day, I guess. And they called back. And I answered, and they didn't say anything. And I said, what do you want? And this little voice came on the phone, a man's voice. I just want to speak to the pastor. I was so convicted of my attitude. I said, man, I'm so sorry. You know, what can we help you with? 
And so we talked and we developed a good friendship, actually, for a couple of years. I'm saying when we're praying and fasting, it's not just for a show. It's actually to die. Remember last week I talked about when you fast, you're cutting off all sustenance from the earth? You're dying for that time. And as you're dying, you're living. <laughs> you're living for God. And you're seeing things in a different way. But, so verse 10, if you, if you, afflict your, uh, you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul. In other words, if you, if you feel their pain and do something about it, then your light will dawn in the darkness. That means that's what we're supposed to be doing. Our light is supposed to be shining in the darkness. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, right? And your, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. So the, your darkest moment will be like the middle of the day. Not so dark in the middle of the day. Your darkest time will be okay because you're walking in the light. You're in the light. You are the light. Verse 11, you're, the Lord will guide you continually. Who does not need that? And satisfy your soul in drought, in the dry times. And we all have dry times. He'll strengthen your bones. Oh, I like that one. He'll help you spiritually. He'll help you physically. You'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Psalm 1 says, uh, those who, 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 who dwell in the word uh, will be like a tree planted by the riverbank whose uh, fruit will, will sprout out in due season. But when we're praying and fasting and running after God, we're giving good fruit. It, it, it's only like natural to produce good fruit when we're doing these things. And then verse number 12. Those from among you. So this is what I mean. This is a corporate fast. The whole church is involved in this. And those from among us that I don't even know, maybe you don't even know, but I think right now God's dealing with people already about doing something for the kingdom. We can't do this spiritual discipline and not have some results. There's going to be results. There's results already. But there are some people sitting here today that God's going to move on you to do something that you never thought that you could do or that you would want to do. I'll guarantee it. It says, look, those from among you shall build up the old waste places. In other words, those from among you that are involved doing this the right way, God's going to raise somebody up to do something to advance the kingdom of God. Something that may have died a long time ago, God's going to resurrect it and use some new people to bring it forward. Right? And then it says, uh, I mentioned this last week, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And I thought about that as far as our children and grandchildren. But in another sense, all the things that Pastor Kashner and Pastor Brazil prayed about, fasted about, all the things that they did, all the tent revival meetings that were held up there many 30 years ago, this is saying the fruit of that will come forward now as we have the right attitude about our fasting. This is the beauty of what God's doing. We could fast about something, and, and that's like God has that, but something else happens because we're fasting in the first place. That's the way God works. I've seen it happen lots of times. We just consecrate, pray, fast, seek God, and trust Him, and things start to pop up. You wonder, man, how did that happen? Well, God knows what we need. God knows what He has to do. And I would even say this. I think maybe God is waiting for us to do this. You know, I think God is waiting for his people to desperately run after him, pray, fast, seek him, corporately. 
Corporately, listen, nobody, listen, if you hear someone's fasting for a week, don't get angry or jealous, be happy. And if you hear someone's fasting dessert for a day, that's all they could do, be happy they fast for a, a dessert. Because we're all different. But all together, God doesn't see the, He sees the whole thing put together. This is our fast. And He will honor that fast. Can I, can I get a promise? No criticism. No criticism. Please. If there is, that'll foster a whole other series of messages. Okay, verse number 12. <laughs> it raised up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Hallelujah. Is, is not that what we're called to do? To preach this gospel to anyone who wants to hear it and raise up a new crop of believers in our midst? Isn't that what we're called to do? Okay, so let me, let me talk about different ways to fast right now. I think we got that. So 21-day fast, right? We're starting uh, today. There, there's three types of fast that I see in the Bible. You might be able to find some more, but just generally speaking, there's three types of fast. One type of fast is called a full fast. No food, no water, no drink, no liquids, nothing at all. Cold turkey, you don't eat or drink anything. For however long you think you can or you should. It could be a day, it could be two days, it could be 40 days. So there's some examples here of what a full fast is. For instance, Esther 4.16. Uh, Esther was, had, a, had a meeting with the king, right? And so she calls all these Jews together and says, Listen, I want you to pray and fast for me. Uh, don't, eat any, don't eat anything or don't drink anything for three days. And they had a full fast for three days. And the result of that was that she found favor with the king, etc. But the point was they fasted without food or drink, or water, or anything. Cold turkey, no food, nothing. Uh, in Deuteronomy 9.9, 9, we, we see Moses uh, getting ready to receive the law. And he's up on the mountain. And um, it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, he ate nothing and drank nothing. Didn't even drink water. Cold turkey, no food, no liquid. For 40 days and 40 nights. So this was a time to consecrate himself. A holy moment with God. And he just, you know, he just did it. Then we see, interestingly, in Acts chapter 9, we see Saul, who was becoming Paul, but he he was just knocked off the horse, or knocked to the ground. And it says for three days, as he was waiting for Ananias to come, for three days and nights, he didn't eat anything, didn't drink anything. So I think he was following the Jewish tradition of of cold turkey fast. He was just waiting on God to figure out what what was happening to him. So that would be a full fast. No food, no water, no liquid, nothing. No coffee, no hot chocolate, no Starbucks, no orange juice, you know, what else? Nothing. Cold turkey. And, and the length of time is, for this part, is irrelevant. Just however, however long you do it, nothing. Full fast. The, the other fast, I, I would call it a normal fast. Because usually when you read the word fast in the Old Testament... It was understood by the Jewish culture and tradition that a fast meant no food whatsoever, but only water is permissible. Because if there's no water or liquid, it says so. No food, no drink. But most cases, it's just fasting, which means no food and water is okay. So 2 Chronicles 20, a story about Jehoshaphat, was surrounded by the armies and it said he was fearful. He sought after God and he called, he, it says he proclaimed the fast throughout Judah. And they fasted, meaning they didn't eat, 
they had water, they didn't eat, it doesn't say for how long, but when they did that, they had a great victory against those enemies. Ezra chapter 8, when Ezra was getting ready to rebuild Jerusalem, you know, uh, he he said, "I, I proclaim a fast to humble ourselves and to seek the Lord. Doesn't say not to drink, but just a fast, meaning no food. And they, they obviously had water during that time. Doesn't say for how long either. Uh, Luke chapter 4, uh, uh, Jesus' Jesus's example, it says, um, he did not eat. He took no meat for 40 days, meaning that he probably had water during that time. So whenever you read fast in, in the Bible, if it doesn't mention no water, it generally means no food, but water is okay. Most people I know fast that way. No food, but water. And then you have another example of a Daniel fast. Okay, Daniel, if you know the story, was taken prisoner, uh, brought from, from uh, uh, Israel to Babylon. Now he's a young man. He's in a, in a foreign country. And they have all these different foods to eat. And the king serves him this food, and he feels a conviction about it. He doesn't want to eat the king's food, the king's delicacies, it says. And so he says, he takes a position. He says, I'm not eating that food. Give me something else to eat. And, and so he decided he would eat vegetables and drink water. He wouldn't have meat or chicken or, or anything, anything fancy, any, no fancy drinks, just vegetables and water. And many people will, will have a Daniel fast. They'll eat vegetables and drink water for the day, for two days or whatever. It's a day to feel full, I guess, and not, not feel so hungry. But you know, you're not eating the, the heavy foods or the, the carbs, basically. In, in Daniel chapter 10, uh, he, he said that uh, for three weeks... He ate no, no meat, no wine, and ate no pleasant food. So he was back on what we call the Daniel fast, probably, just vegetables and water. So that's another way to, to, to fast, what we would call the Daniel fast. So let me, let me tell you some other ideas about fasting. There's other ways that you can fast without going that route. You can fast one meal a day. I don't know what you want to call it. Just call it a fast. I'm fasting a meal today. Um, or you could fast for a whole day. I'm not going to eat anything for the whole day. I might drink water. Uh, and, and there's no right or wrong way. I want to make sure I convey that. I mean, I fasted without food and, and drank uh, warm milk with honey in it a couple of times, just for a little something. But I think the Lord honored my fast anyway. Sometimes I'll have a cup of coffee. But you know what I mean? But I, I think at this point, I'm going to stick with water. It's better. Uh, but or, or no water, you know, but whatever you do is okay. Just do something. Uh, it could be a meal a week. Uh, I, I had determined a while ago I was going to fast every Tuesday. It lasted a couple of weeks and something happened and it went by the wayside. But it's not a bad idea to fast one day a week, especially during these three weeks. Um, you could give up your favorite food, your desserts, your candy, your chips, your soda, whatever. Uh, but it's important, whatever you give up, like... Like, I remember there was a time early in my life where I would fast lunch and get so busy during lunchtime, I wouldn't pray. I just didn't eat, but I kept on working or whatever I was doing. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be praying when I don't eat. So, Lord, forgive me for that. So when, when you don't eat, you're supposed to pray. If it's impossible to do that, and it may be impossible sometimes, make sure you have time later to make up for that hour or whatever that you would have normally had to eat and, and spend that time with the Lord. Okay, so anything is permissible. Anything is permissible. I would just say this, just do something. You know, just do something. Let the Lord see, you know, there's something that you can do. 
to fast during this 21 days. You know? I really think this is going to be revolutionary for us. I do. I really do. I think, I think you know, well, okay. <laughs> so let, let me give you some different things to pray. Now, now, if you want a prayer guide, I would go to Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. Because how many people do you know that are bound up in wickedness, bound up in addictions, bound up in drugs or alcohol, bad marriages, rebellious kids or whatever? We all have it in our families. You know, so, you know, by the way, this Facebook thing is driving me crazy. But, there, you know, so I posted something about the Super Bowl halftime show. Okay. All right, so I, the world is the world. Yeah, I get that. What I, was, I had a problem with was other Christians criticizing Christians that were opposed to the halftime show. That's what bothered me. The halftime show itself, you know, I don't care. I mean, that's what the world does. But when Christians criticize other Christians, I have a problem with that. So one guy writes me this thing on my, on my post. I had it deleted. It was so vulgar. He's cursing at me on Facebook, you know, with, with bad words. And I'm saying, Lord, there are some people that hate us. They hate God. They hate the word of God. They hate what we stand for. They really hate us. They really do. They're mad at us. They, they want to fight us. They want to argue with us. And that will only change as we pray and fast that God would change their heart. You know, we could talk, I could talk till I'm blue in the face. Every time I said something, he'd say something back. He finally said, forget this. This will go on until Jesus comes back. You know what I mean? What's the point? What's the use? Well, I'm saying, pray that God will break off wickedness, break off you know, oppression, break off demon possession even. And so Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. And, and, and pray for the needy. Pray for those that are all around us that are needy. And let's try to do something about that. But anyway, there's some things on the screen. I don't know if you could see it clearly, but some things that come to my mind in that concept of Isaiah 58, 6 and 7, pray for salvations of loved ones. You know, you could talk to your blue in the face. Unless God moves on them, they're not going to get saved. Well, don't stop talking to them. But pray to God to move on them. Because it's by the Spirit someone is born again anyway. Healing of the sick. So many are sick in our church with different diseases, problems, issues. Pray for healing of depression and anxiety and fear. Right? Pray for healing of the letter problems, ADHD and ADD, all the different things. But pray that God would heal those dear people that are suffering with these things. You know, pray for deliverance of the oppressed, the possessed, the addicted. How many do we know that are addicted to things? And you talk, and they know, and they don't know what to do. And it's got to be a major breakthrough by God. This is what we're praying and fasting for. Praying for and fasting for marriages to be good, for, for our youth, our young people to really love God, our children to have a heart for God, for our seniors that are going on a different phase of life. That's a whole different set of circumstances. We need to pray for them. Pray for finances. For so many Christian people are bound up in, in debt. Just pray that God would provide a way for us to get out of debt, that we could bless him and bless others and have some peace in our heart. Pray for our nation. Boy, this past week was crazy in the USA, wasn't it, with the, the State of the Union thing and the, the, uh, the address and uh, the, um, the impeachment thing. It's just crazy what's going on. And, and not to mention the disease coming out of China. There's so many things to pray about. My goodness. Um, 
Pray for New Life Christian Assembly. Pray for the leaders of the church, the families of the leaders, the marriages. Pray for our missionaries. You know, uh, pray for the planted, uh, our, our building fund uh, program. And remember that that garage came down the day before our fast. There's something about it. God is still with us in this endeavor. Uh, so surgery is coming up, you know, overall health. And then there are always specific needs that we bring out. Check your emails. I'm constantly sending out emails with specific prayer requests for people, names and what the needs are. Get, get them, copy them if you can, and pray for God to move upon all those different situations. Okay, so today we begin. Let me, let me make one other comment. Is it ironic that we're having a bake sale today? <laughs> so here, here's what I want to say. Buy it all up, give it to somebody at work tomorrow. Or eat it when you're not fasting. What could I say? It's all important. It's all important. I just had to address it. Okay, now, we're going to say a final prayer, but over on this table over here, there's a sign-up sheet for, for a prayer sign-up sheet. So if you could fill, just put your name on a certain hour. This is for this week. We're going to do one per week. So uh, what I'm saying is, don't everyone go home after this. Go over here. Or go get a cup of coffee and come back, because there will be a lot of people. But fill out the prayer sign-up sheet as to when you might be able to pray during this week. Like on Monday. I could pray from, say, 7 to 8 a.m. I could pray. And then, just so we know, we have some idea. So fill that out. And then the other paper over there is is this little handout, which... uh, Stacy, you put this together. Denora put that together. Thank you, ladies. But this, this will be posted on our Facebook page as well. There's a scripture and a little prayer and a song for each day during these 21 days. You could find it on the Facebook page, New Life Haverhill, or you could take a hard copy and take it home. So today it's posted on, on the Facebook page, but it's right here, day one. So you can take that home with you and meditate on it, use it as a guide. And there's one for each day. It'll be a great tool to use. Are we clear? So we're looking for people to literally sign up. Let's stand together.